Welcome everyone, this is Jason Searle, Chairman of Capens Men, and I'd be honored if you'd oblige me for just a moment while we draw your attention to a special and sacred day that occurs this week. May 23rd, 2021 marks the 70th anniversary of Father Capens passing into eternal life. As most of you are aware, we are very blessed to be working on the dignified transfer of his mortal remains back home here to Kansas. And while we undertake this task, we know that Father Capen, who preferred simplicity and humility, would be the first to shy away from any notoriety this occasion will bring. However, we believe he'd also be the first to ensure we tell the story of the brave men and women he served with in our nation's armed forces, and to celebrate the lives of the men he went to battle with and whom he served in the prisoner of war camp in Korea. Let's take time this week to pay thanks to the Lord for the graces bestowed by Father Capon's life. And to keep in our prayers this week, the brave heroes of our military, living and deceased, and those in the chaplain corps who serve those who serve and protect our freedom. We'd also be wise to never forget Father Capon's dying request, not only of his boys to keep the faith, but also that of his captors, asking their forgiveness had he ever offended them. Let's keep hope, courage, and mercy always in our prayers and pray for Father's example of humility to reside peacefully in us as he peacefully rests in our Lord. Now on to the podcast. Guard and protect us. We as men are meant to guard and protect as sons of God. Guard and protect what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. To guard the proclamation of truth, which is why Jesus Christ himself came. And to love, right? The pursuit of love, because God is love. God is truth. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So we live a different way. We have a mission to guard and to protect. But we can't do, we can't live that duty if we're not free. Right? Just like you can't come out here to Colorado if you're strapped to your chair and handcuffed and whatever, you're just not free to come, right? If we're not living in freedom, we can't do what we're supposed to do or what we ought to do because being free is to do what we ought to do. A father, husband, athlete, author, and founder of Varsity Catholic joins us to discuss what is on his heart and he gives us incredible messages of hope as well as challenging us to reclaim the primacy of witness we're all called to. Thomas Wirtz joins us from Littleton, Colorado. Welcome to the Foxhole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will proclaim your praise. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I just invite you into this podcast today. I invite you into the lives of anyone who's downloaded this podcast, Lord. I pray, God, that today we can examine the things that we pursue. And I pray, God, for the courage and the wisdom to cut out the things that are not you. They're not leading us closer to you. They're not making us better men, better fathers, better husbands, better businessmen. And I pray, God, that through the intercession of Servant of God, Father Emil Capon, that this holy conversation will give us what we need to be beacons of light, bearers of hope to a world that is sometimes not so light and given in to despair. I pray for Thomas, his ministry, the ministry of Varsity Catholic and Focus, and I pray, God, that today we can be inspired to take the first step of sharing your good news to a world that sorely needs good news right now. 
I ask all of this to the sacred heart of Jesus, through the immaculate heart of my mother Mary. And I ask again for the prayers of servant of God, Father Emil Capen, for myself, for Thomas, and for everyone who's downloaded this podcast today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, I have the best job in the world. I get to have holy conversations with people, and most of the time, I'm better after the conversation, either by something they said, something they made me think about, or something they inspired me to do. You have got a huge treat in store for you today. You're going to hear from Thomas Wirtz, an esteemed evangelist, an author, leader of a huge Catholic ministry that's doing incredible work all over the United States. But here's what I'd say to you I felt after talking to him. I was more excited and filled with passion to go out and share the gospel than I've been in a long time. I want to point something out to you about our, or about our conversation this time that, that you're going to enjoy if you pay real close attention. Several times during the conversation, you'll hear the necklace that Thomas is wearing. It makes a slight jingling noise. And what he's doing is Thomas is getting more and more excited. And I'm watching him as we talk come alive. I'm reminded of Moses in the Old Testament. Says his face almost was lit when he encountered God. And that is the way that Thomas encounters the world, his family, his ministry, and to be honest with you, me in our holy conversation today. So enjoy the time today with Thomas. Be inspired, be encouraged, be challenged. The time is now. Your time is now. My name is Joe Ferris, and I want to personally welcome you to the foxhole. Thomas Wirtz, welcome to the Foxhole, my brother. Joe, good to be with you. What an it honor. Is a, it is a great honor to have you, man. I feel like we've got like a Catholic celebrity in the house with us today. I'm so excited. If only, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, your intro was super fitting, but I want to go a little further. Just for those sure. that don't have any experience of Varsity Catholic, break open a little bit about what that is for our audience. No, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Varsity Catholic, we're part of Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So it's fitting to, to give just a brief of what Focus is. Focus is a apostolate. It's a missionary organization, a lay organization, um, nonprofit organization of folks that want to serve the Lord, want to build his church, want to proclaim the gospel. So Focus started in 97, and we send teams of missionaries to primarily college campuses across the United States to lead small group Bible studies, to proclaim the gospel, to walk, to mentor with college students that want to go deeper in their faith, that want to be an evangelist themselves. We call that discipleship. So we try to share the gospel. We try to equip people to then go and share the gospel as well. Um, We do that in parishes as well as campuses internationally. So in 2007, we launched an intentional effort to reach college athletes. When you look at a college campus, there's a lot of subcultures, if you will, or or different affinity groups. And one of the most influential among those is college athletes. They live a very unique experience of college. And nowhere in the church at that time was there any kind of systematic approach nationally to reach that group of young men and women. And so we decided in 2007, we want to have some of our missionaries dedicated to being intentional with their time 
serving college athletes and their needs. Well, Thomas, anybody who's been in the pews the last couple of years is aware of focus because their missionaries are so good at telling their story and mm. we're having a cup of coffee with you to share their glory. So I, I'm uniquely curious why you entered the battlefield for souls in this space in varsity Catholic. And I know it's tied to some of your division one athletic work, but yeah. just tell me a little bit, why does your heart burn for this part of the church and bringing the gospel? Man, that's a great question. Cut me off if I, if I go too long, Joe. So my experience in athletics was one of success from childhood all the way into college. I played a semester of college football at the University of San Diego, a gorgeous campus in Southern California. And there I failed for the first time in athletics. And it was also there that I was never brought into anything faith related, at least not that I can remember. But even as I left college sports and went into to a different avenue of, of my college experience, my heart was still connected. My identity was still wrapped into athletics. And therefore, my, my passion was still for those in that world. And as I became a missionary, once I graduated, I was, still was drawn to athletes. And I said to Curtis, we, we should be serving. We need to be serving college athletes because the evangelicals have been there for decades let's get at it. And he said, great, why don't you do it? And I said, no, thanks. And a couple of years go by. And finally, I'm like, okay, Curtis, let's do this. Let's launch Varsity Catholic. Let's go after the athletic world. And it's been a beautiful thing. And part of it is because athletes need to know the gospel too. And they have, a, again, like I mentioned earlier, they have a unique experience of college. They can't often come to the Newman Center. Even if they want to, they might not feel comfortable coming to the, the campus ministry or the Catholic Center, the Newman Centers. So let's go to them. Let's bring them the gospel. The other thing is then you look out at the culture, Joe, and this is kind of maybe a different topic, but related enough. You look at the culture, it worships more in stadiums than in churches. It is athletics is a massive piece of this cultural pie and college athletes are an influential part of that. And they have a platform. They have a platform they can use for the kingdom. And, and beyond that, a lot of them aren't going to play pro ball, but many of them will start coaching and they'll coach your kids or they'll coach at a high school, or some of them will coach college and pro. And the platform they'll have as a coach is unreal. It's like a megaphone into people's lives. So they can preach the gospel to their players for decades and decades. And, and I think beyond that, we, we have, and cut me off, but we have 1,200 Catholic high schools. If the coaches at those high schools were missionary disciples, were proclaiming Christ, Think of what those schools would be like. Think of what those Catholic high schools would be like if their coaches were disciples of our Lord proclaiming him. And some are, and they have amazing impacts, but they would transform those high schools. Uh, yesterday, I think I saw an article about Catholic schools being a little bit in trouble and some spaces they'd hit some bumps in the road. So I think you could, there's a space there because athletics draw families in, they draw people in, 100%. they draw youth people in, I mean, they draw, and they keep people committed. So I want to I want to hear Varsity Catholic. I know has some big time glory stories. People that are everyday names that people listen to the podcast today would have heard of. So share a couple of those with us. Places where you just let's call them home runs, guys that uh, that people are seeing out in the world. Yeah, gosh, um, one of the beautiful things is when we see non Catholics become Catholic, and those there's a lot of glory stories there. But but two names that that you all might recognize that were involved. In college, the first one, Harrison Bucker, Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs. He's their all-star kicker. And Harrison was involved in a Bible study back at Georgia Tech. And even before he got in a Bible study, one, one of his teammates, Grant, 
who was, you know, just a backup punter, walked on, has an awesome story in and of himself. But Grant lived his faith in amazing ways. And Harrison was drawn to him. And Harrison, who was raised Catholic, came to Grant and he said, hey, and he started asking all these questions. Why do we do this? Why this? Why am I Catholic? And Grant walked with him as his teammate, as his brother, into a deeper love of, of our Lord, a deeper love of our Catholic faith. And Harrison is on fire. And Harrison, even before he became an NFL player, right away at Georgia Tech, he turned around and tried to be that same influence to his teammates. In fact, he's godfather of one of our focus missionaries that's on staff right now out in Florida, Nick. And so Harrison's done amazing things. He's a great example of, of what a teammate can do, what a brother can do when, when they walk with you. The other, another example is in the baseball realm, one of the starting pitchers for the Chicago Cubs, Trevor Williams. Trevor was connected to one of our missionaries at Arizona State. Again, our missionary is able to walk with Trevor in his unique experience as a college athlete, especially baseball. Baseball is one of the craziest schedules in college sports. And Trevor was able just to go deeper in his faith instead of being, instead of walking away from his faith in college as a college athlete, he was able to go deeper. And then not long after he was drafted into professional baseball, made his major league debut. And Trevor, Trevor and Harrison, they both just have an extreme understanding of what mission means, a desire to use their platform for the gospel and are two amazing examples of what God can do through sport, through athletics and through our intentional effort to walk with young men and women on campus. And sometimes that journey is not easy when you're on a team. Yesterday, I seem to remember you talking to me about Mike Sweeney. I remember a story you mentioned to me either yesterday or the day before about Mike Sweeney, and and it really resonated with me just about how hard it can be to live a righteous life in in the the craziness of professional sports. I don't know if you remember it. I'd sure love to hear it right here from folks listening. Yeah, Mike Sweeney is one of the greatest um, in terms of Catholic athletes out there. Um, he's retired now, but he spent a, over a decade with the Kansas City Royals, a five-time All-Star. And Mike was telling the story, the height of his career, before he was married, he's, they're playing a game, and above the dugout for the Royals is this, this lovely young woman who is holding up a sign that says, today's my birthday, I want a kiss from Mike Sweeney. And Mike, you know, tells a story in his, the way Mike Sweeney can do it. He's like, yeah, she wasn't dressed for church. Let's put it that way. But after the game, one of his teammates comes up and he says, hey, Mike, do you see that girl above the dugout? Do you want a, you know, a kiss from you? And blah, blah, blah. Mike said, yeah, I saw her. He's like, here, I got her number for you. So Mike takes the number, crumbles it up, and just throws it on the floor. Not interested. Later on, as they're on the bus, they're traveling. The guy's in the back. Mike's up in the front. The guy just starts yelling at Mike. He's like, Mike, what's the matter with you, man? What'd you throw that number for? Mike, are you gay? And doing all the stuff as you know, guys can do to one another. Of course, Mike's, Mike's an intense personality. And Mike just wanted to go back and you know, knock the guy in the face. But of course, that's not what Mike does. Um, and he just took it. And he sat there. And he took it for the Lord. And he, as he tells the story, he's like, you know, I just, it was like, Someone's throwing darts, darts at my heart, and I just want to take those darts for our Lord. And I, I love that story because it's such a great example of what we as men need to do today in our culture to step out, to be willing to be a witness to Christ and be willing to take any darts that are, the culture is going to throw at us, our neighbor is going to throw at us, our co- coworkers are going to throw at us, our family is going to throw at us and just say, I'm taking those for our Lord. He took worse, worse for me. I can take a few for him. So with that said, it brings up two questions in me. One, 
you're out in the world, Thomas, you're seeing what an average guy, I'm not talking about a guy that's on a professional stage. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the guy, the ordinary guy that got up this morning and went to work. What are the darts you're seeing the average guy bump into a lot? And then if you don't yep. mind, I don't, there's no connection to these two questions, but I'd love to see you try to figure this out. Um, <laughs> this is how my brain works. But why is it that we can talk about sports so easily? Like we, we'll go, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'll talk about the Bengals all the time. But for some reason, that transition to here's my struggle and here's how the Lord is walking with me. I can't I can't do that as easily as I can fuss about the fact that we never win a playoff game. So can you figure out the two of those maybe? And, and, and as, I, as I throw you a curveball here on this podcast and tell no, us. No, that's you? I'll knock it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll swing, Joe. Maybe I'll maybe I'll miss. But I think I'll start with the the end of that question. We like to talk about sports. It's easy for us to talk about sports, I think, because it doesn't a it's outside of us. And it really doesn't take any kind of intimacy to talk about sports. It's something external that's entertaining. It's fun and it's easy, right? I mean, maybe I want to put my, my reputation on the line to defend a team in the middle of the playoffs, but, but usually it's just talking about something that's happened outside of us. So it doesn't take a lot of, of vulnerability, Right. Not to, I don't want to overuse that. That term can be overused, but it doesn't take a lot of vulnerability for us. We just talk about these guys that are out there that did this thing and well, wasn't that interesting? So I think it's just easy for us. And that's okay. I mean, sports at the professional level, it's entertainment. So it's okay for us to be able to talk easily about that. Um, and it is an entertaining, exciting thing to, to participate as viewers. So I think that might be part of it. But getting then to the question of the darts in our culture are the things that actually take some skin in the game from us. One of the big things I think is openness to life. The cat as Catholics, we're called to be open to life in marriage. And I have a buddy of mine who's, I think he's got three kids, three young kids. And already his colleagues are asking when he's going to get snipped. Like when's he cutting it off? Right. So I think that's one where automatically we're going to get years. I have five little kids. And the other day, my wife's at the library getting out of the car I think she only had three or four of them. We didn't even have, she didn't even have all five at the time. Some old lady sitting on the bench makes some snide comment about the kids, right? Like, so I know that's one of the things, openness to life that we're going to take darts for. Um, I think related to that is just living differently, right? As Catholics, we, we don't need to be, um, look like we're aliens in the world, but we do have to live differently, right? Like how do we hold ourselves? How do we carry ourselves? What are the things that are important to us and are we living in such a way that people know that we're different? They know we're Christian. And so that could be a, a whole sl- slew of things. But I think openness to life is one of those. I think the, the, the gender issues, the transgender issues, gay marriage, defending marriage between a man and woman, those are other ones that we're already seeing we have to start taking darts for. And it's sad because I, I think those are big darts that are going to be coming at us in the workplace, through the government, through all kinds of different venues. Now, th- those are definitely, and there's so much right now. And, and honestly, I think one of the ways that evil one works on us, Thomas, is he just wears us out. You know, I think yeah, we're just yeah. tired. So many men are walking through the world exhausted. So I, I want to move into, there's a crisis for sure. Any meeting I go to in the Catholic world talks about the great crisis in the church. Yep. I, I'm curious, especially for your expertise would be in the young adult world. You served as a focused missionary. You several times mentioned not a Catholic celebrity, but like Catholic royalty with Curtis Martin. So <laughs> I, I want to know, 
a little bit of from your experience, not only in the world, but just your day to day life experience. Why are we losing all the young adults when we send our children to college? That's such a tough question. And I think it's been the last week that I'm slow, Joe, like in my head, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. But I think it's you look back a generation, two generations we basically had a Christian slightly Catholic culture in the United States, right in the fifties, forties, kind of, kind of, kind of anyway, it's not like Christendom, but we had a pretty good culture, conservative Christian values. And I think the Catholics at that time, they did the things that they were supposed to do, but perhaps a number of them didn't actually have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't have that burning friendship, but they did the right things because the culture helped that. So they were culturally Catholic, right? Even if they looked staunchly so. But they didn't help their children, the next generation, have that same relationship with Jesus Christ. And at the same time, the culture was going the wrong direction. So the, the, the Christian elements of the culture were starting to dissipate. And so it became easier to, to go to Mass less frequently because you didn't have the cultural influence, right? I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'm going to go to mass because the culture is supporting that. When the culture gets worse, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to go in Easter and Christmas because I know I should still probably go to mass because that was my parents are Catholic. I grew up in that, right? The next generation then, and now the kids don't even know who Jesus is because it's such a distant part of even their family's life. And this, I'm not, I don't mean this as a criticism to anyone in particular, but I think when we don't bring people into a relationship with Christ, we don't share the gospel with our children and deepen their, their understanding of what it is we're trying to do, the rules become a source of rebellion rather than something that makes sense for the relationship in which I want to live. So I don't know if that's part of the reason, but I mean, we're not in a Catholic culture. We're not even close to a Christian culture right now, really. I'm sure it'll get worse. So hopefully that will make us really put, as St. Ignatius gives the two standards, we're gonna have to plant our flag one way or the other. And I, I'm seeing young people and even not so much young people, people that have come alive in their faith, they're planting that flag. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to do this even if the culture is not supporting me because I believe I've encountered the risen Lord and he is God and I want to follow him. Amen. Amen. Man, you get me fired up. So I, I'm going to push you a little bit on this, Thomas, because I know I can. And I also know sure. you're a long way away from me. So if you do, <laughs> me, I cannot hide out. But I want to know average guy, ordinary guy like myself, a couple kids in college, um, clearly want them to be in the, with focus missionaries or wherever they can, but some people just, it's not the option. So what can I start doing? What are three things I can start right now on this, after this podcast to help at least create a space for my kid to encounter Jesus and to stay in this faith? Uh, We're talking about adult kids. Yeah. I'd think college age somewhere in that world. Yeah. So I think, I think the first, and it's, you know, Pope Paul VI talked about this, our, our primacy of witness. So we have to double down on the way we live our life. As fathers, our witness is profound in terms of our kids living the faith. We, we talked about this in our, in our chat prior. I think I heard this via Scott Hahn from others, but there was a study, the important part, there's a study that looked at the faith of, our, of, of parents and how it impacts their children living their faith. And basically what you can take away is if the mother was living the faith and the dad wasn't, the minority of the small percentage of the kids would actually be living the faith as they got older. If you took the dad and he was living the faith, 
if even if the mom wasn't, the majority of kids would still be living their faith. I don't know why that is necessarily. We can talk theory, but it shows it's so important for the father to be a living witness to the faith. So we got to double down on how we live our faith. How do we pray? How do we go to the sacraments? How do we reflect Jesus Christ, right? St. Paul said, imitate me as they imitate Christ. Are we able to say that to our kids? If not, what do you expect, right? Like if we're not living that example, what do you think our kids are going to do? They're going to go downstream with the culture. So I think we have to double down on living the faith. Then we have to pray and fast because that's what our Lord says, pray and fast. That's part of that spiritual battle. We enter into that while we pray and while we fast, we intercede for them. The third thing would, would probably be to lovingly, patiently treat them as an adult. If we ever talk about things related to the faith, you know, and I think I'm sure my oldest is eight. I have five, my oldest is eight. You know, I can kind of just tell them what to do. And I'm sure when they become 18, I'm going to probably want to do the same thing. And that's probably not the effective way to evangelize our children. But, but you tell me, you're, you got the experience. So, but I would think treat them as an adult, respect their freedom. And I think that's how they'll actually start to listen as, a, as an adult to their parents. But I don't know, Joe, what, what would you say? No, I, th- I think you have told me everything I need to know. Look, one thing I've learned is I was a great parent of college kids till I had college kids. And now all of a sudden it becomes a whole lot tougher. But if, I, if you're listening to this podcast, I might challenge you right now. Just hit pause, say a prayer for your kids. You know, maybe send them a text just telling them you love them and that you want to you're worried about them or thinking about them. I'm not worried about them. I'm just thinking about them. I, I agree though. It's, it's not, we're not going to get them all back. We didn't lose everybody at once mm-hmm. and we're not going to get them all back without small movements toward the heart of Jesus, which is going to draw them back in. I'm going to ask you, uh, th- there's something you've done, Thomas, that, that just challenged me. I think you can, you learn a lot about a person by figuring out what they pursue. What are you chasing after? And that's basically the first thing you just said. What that becomes who you are. And I know as a guy who pursued money, power, that would be me at points in my life. Um, your book, Pursuing Freedom, the title just grabbed me by the throat and it held me close. So I want you, if, if you have a chance, if you're close to Amazon, I know it's on Kindle, guys. You can rent it. I'm not rented. Buy it on Kindle. Get it sent to you. The book is important for what we're saying to men in the world. Talk to us a little about why you wrote it. Maybe give us a little summary about what it's about. And, and maybe why someone should buy it, because I think it's important to send to our adult children, males. Yeah, th- no, thanks. That's a that's an amazing endorsement too. the the imagery of grab you by the throat. I love it. So I think that's what sin does to us, which is which is what restricts our freedom. So I wrote it because I wanted to help young men have a vision or growing men. I mean, we're all young at heart in different ways, but help men have a vision of Christian masculinity and to use the saints because they're, they're, apart from Jesus, they're our best example. They're our best stories to look at. And so I highlighted a saint in the chapters, but to, to look at scripture and say, what does it mean to be a man, right? We're built differently. We have different biology. We, you know, the, the great story that I've, that I've shared, you know, a few years ago, my daughter in the middle of the night, not the middle of the night, but the start of the night, she should be sleeping. She comes in, she says, I heard someone at the window. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking there's no way anyone's at our window. And then I'm also thinking, oh crap, maybe someone's at our window. So I go, I look there, I don't see anyone. I'm like, okay, babe, I'll go, I'll go out and look because she's still nervous. So I grab a weapon or two or something and flashlight, whatever, go outside and look. As I'm going, my wife tells me this story later on. She's like, as I went, my daughter looked at my wife and said, dads are brave. And I hope dads are brave. I hope I'm brave. But there's something why I didn't send my daughter out 
or my wife out. I went, right? There's something about us as men that's different. We're bigger, faster, stronger because we have testosterone. Our biology is different. But that means we're made to do something different. In Genesis 2.15, God has made the Garden of Eden. He's made Adam. He shows him paradise. And then it says he commanded him to till and keep the garden. Not very inspirational. Till and keep? What does that mean? Like I'm, I'm supposed to pull weeds. And, and you know, for most of my life, I think I'm a God's Adam is a gardener, which is great. I have a garden. Farmers live a heroic life, but it's more than just make food in the garden of Eden. And you look at the Hebrew word for keep, it's shamar, which can be translated many ways. Keep is one of them, but I like the idea of guard and protect. And I think it makes more sense when you look at the context, guard and protect us. We as men are meant to guard and protect as sons of God, guard and protect what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, to guard the proclamation of truth, which is why Jesus Christ himself came, and to love, right? The pursuit of love, because God is love, God is truth. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So we live a different way. We have a mission to guard and to protect, but we can't do, we can't live that duty if we're not free, right? Just like you can't come out here to Colorado if you're strapped to your chair and handcuffed and whatever, you're just not free to come, right? If we're not living in freedom, we can't do what we're supposed to do or what we ought to do because being free is to do what we ought to do, right? And our biggest enemy, the biggest menace that enslaves us is sin, right? Christ came that we may be free. He came to free us from sin and death, which enslaves us. So help me out, Joe. I'm, I'm going on a lot of different ways and I could keep going. But, but again, the freedom to do what we ought so we can live our mission as men. No, look, Thomas, you wrote the book. I didn't. So I'm going to, uh, I'm just going <laughs> to tell you it, the book is fantastic. I've read through it several times and I'm even going to give a teaser. I'm not even going to tell you how to. In the book, you tell the story of Therese of Lezu's dad. And I, I, I read it three times today. I've no read way. Saint Lives for 20 years. I've been reading Lives of Saints and that, I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. So I'm not going to tell, I'm just going to tell you, go buy the book. You'll read that part. You'll email me, you'll email Thomas and you'll say, that's a legit story. So in, in doing research about St. Louis Martin, it was then I'm like, I want to name my next son, Louis. Louis Wirtz is 10 months old. So thank God my wife liked the name too. So we named our fifth, our fifth kid after him. So that's awesome that you called out his story in particular. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's, it's, and I love Therese. I mean, when I, I was yeah. like, oh, he's not going to say something. I don't know about that. Oh yeah, he did. So I want, um, I want to move now, Thomas, there are, are listeners to the podcast as well that have young children. You have five and I'd love for you to just talk a little bit. And I, I don't mean from the place of, Hey, I'm the perfect dad. My children yeah. never make a mistake. But how how can we, in a culture that feels like it's pulling us in a thousand different directions, try to raise Catholic children? So, yeah, your listeners might have better answers than I do. But I think um, one of the things that's important for me is to help my children know who they are. You know, I talked about my experience in athletics, my sense of worth for years and years was wrapped into achievement, accomplishment as an athlete on the field, what I did, how I did it, what I won, where my name was at in the paper, that kind of stuff. I want my children to know that their worth is in the fact that they're a son and daughter of God. And so every night, this is something that I enjoy. I think it's a good thing. I hope it's helpful for them. 
and it's something practical that maybe listeners can do if they don't do something or, or, you know, if they have something better, they can let me know because I'd love to hear it. But at, at night I bless them, which is important to make sign of the cross. May the Lord bless you. Keep you. May his, may his face shine upon you. Ask them what they're grateful for. Cause I want them to have a sense of gratitude. It's so easy for us in this first world country we live, we live in to be ungrateful for things. And that is, that is bad for our spiritual development. So gratitude, what are you thanking Jesus for today? And then we say a couple different prayers. And then I say, you know, I ask him, who are you? And their response is, I'm a son or daughter of God, right? Depending on if they're a boy or girl. And, and I want, and then I say to them, look, I love you and I love being your daddy. And so that my hope is wherever they go, whatever, whatever happens on the playground or in high school, whoever's mean to them, whoever, whatever happens to them, they know that they're loved by their heavenly father. Their worth is in the fact they're a son or daughter of God and their dad loves them right here on earth and did his best to reflect the love of the father to them. And then we try to discipline them. We try to, we try to protect, not in a glass box, but to, to recognize they're still developing their sensibilities to things of the world and to try to make sure their environment is as conducive to their proper formation as it can be. So we don't have cable, like, you know, they're not going to have cell phones for a long time just because the internet's so dangerous. Um, so those are, those are some things. That's good advice. And, and even if you're a grandparent listening, I mean, you can pray for your grandkids from afar. You can keep them in this space of grateful. I mean, we live in this world that is, Thomas is exactly right. It's positioning us to be, to constantly be seeking what we're not in or where we're not. And what a blessing to Thomas just to kind of call his family back to the moment that they're in, you know, from, I, I look back at my children, I have a 25, uh, 24 year old now married and think, gosh, I remember when he was eight years old. It, was, it almost seemed easier. I mean, it's, it's fun. We can play golf together and talk, but it, it's yeah. still a new place. So Thomas, I, before I let you go, yeah. uh, you're a speaker, you speak all over the country. You're an author, you're running a, part of a huge ministry in the Catholic world. I just want to give you, which is kind of scary to give to a speaker or a preacher, just an open mic here for a few minutes. Anything you want to pass on to our audience, um, men, some women, listen, children, families, anything you just say, you know, this is what the Lord's put on my heart to share before we close up. Mm. First off, Joe, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your voice and um, for the opportunity to be with you today. Um, I think as a church, if we, again, as I mentioned, give our life to the Lord every day, seek him and let ourselves be sought by him and share him. If we're not afraid, evangelization is a scary word in the Catholic church. And it doesn't mean go knock on doors, but it means, it means be willing to share Jesus Christ and his story with the people in our life and in our parishes. And if we do that, think of the hope we bring to, to people. Think of what our parish can become if we're all willing to, to, to surrender our life to Jesus and to talk about Jesus to people in our life. And so that's my hope, my encouragement. That's why since 2001, I decided to work for Focus as a missionary because the gospel changed my life. Jesus changed my life because I didn't know him. And when I met him, everything is different. And the world needs hope. The world is living that silent desperation. And Jesus is the hope. And so I hope we can do that. I hope we can, we can be strong in our families. If your marriage is rocky, call a marriage counselor, call a marriage coach. There's some beautiful resources in the Catholic world and invest in your spouse so that your children can understand how significant their home life 
is, and that it's a place of safety, a place of love. Um, Cause that's how we're going to change the culture, knowing Jesus Christ, sharing him and making sure we have strong marriages and families. There you have it, friends. That is straight from one of the big, strong Catholic ministries that is going strong and doing great work all over the United States and a whole bunch of different schools. So, Thomas, I want you to be assured of the prayers of Capon's Men. I want you to be assured of my personal prayers for you, for your family, for your ministry. And I just want to ask you if you would just pray us off the podcast today. It would be huge uh, for me personally and for I know those listening as well. Thank you, Joe. I'd love to. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Um, your goodness is overwhelming. Your mercy is tremendous. And we thank you for all the love and grace that you, you pour down upon us. I want to pray for each and every one of us here gathered listening that you can continue to, to draw us closer to the sacred heart of your son, that you would give us strength. You would give us confidence in you and your goodness, confidence in our worth as your sons and daughters. And in that, you can transform us. You can make us the light. You can make us salt to the earth. You can make us the saints that you've called us to be. We thank you for the grace of that calling. We thank you for the church you've given us. We thank you for the crosses in our life. Help us to carry them with a greater faith and devotion, knowing that it's a sign of your affection for us. Father, transform us in in ways that we can't even imagine, in ways that that will, will just make us shine as an amazing light piercing the darkness. Transform this culture, transform our parishes. We pray for the priests in our life that they can just be tremendous witnesses of Christ to the world, to the parish. We pray for all of our children that are on our hearts right now, for those that have strayed away from the faith, that they may come back, Father, bring them back like the prodigal son. Go find them for us like the lost sheep. We pray that that we can be faithful to your will in our life, that in any way that you want us to serve you, we will surrender to that as our lady did, and we can follow her example. Father, we pray all these things. We ask all these things in the holy name of Jesus, your son. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thomas, thank you for your encouragement for us to live our faith and reassuring us of the impact that we can have on others. For us as men, those stories that you shared of the athletes and the impact that others had on their lives, I think gives us hope that we can make a difference in someone's lives. But honestly, it was your focus on the impact that we can have as fathers that gives us our challenge this week. Now, obviously, this challenge doesn't apply to all of our listeners, but I think it's a powerful challenge for us as fathers that I don't want to miss. And that's to take up Thomas's suggestion of blessing our children. Now, that might look different depending on whether our kids are young or old, but those four main parts that Thomas mentioned are huge. And those are, one, to bless them. Two, help them focus on a gratitude for that particular day. Third, to help them focus on their identity as a son or daughter of God. And fourth, just to say, I love you and I love being your dad. Now, this fatherly blessing is deeply biblical, and it's a great way for us as fathers to intercede for and to impact our children. Thanks for joining us today in the foxhole. Until next time, stay humble and stay holy. We can surely expect that in our own lives, there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to 
or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.